is an Odyssey original. This is KDX In-Depth. I'm Rob Barcher. And I'm Charles Feldman. Well, I'm guessing that many of you, maybe most of you, maybe all of you, got wet this morning. Whether you were walking outside or driving outside, it has been, as we all know, relentless rain, flooding, mudslides, evacuations, road closures, and sadly, even some deaths. The Central Coast, on down to uh, Ventura County, hit the hardest by this storm and the storms last week. So we are going to go in depth into it all. And we will also look into, by the way, whether the discovery of potentially classified documents connected to President Biden, that's right, I said President Biden this time, not former President Trump, is going to impact the investigation into the other guy. Who would that be? Hmm. Guy named uh, Donald. Last name is gone. 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 Uh, I'm going to say Trump. Got it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Prince Harry spilling secrets of the royal family in his new book. We'll go in depth into the worldwide reaction and if this will permanently break any leftover relationship Harry has with members of the royal family. And if you need legal representation, consider welcoming our robot overlords and a robot. To be your lawyer. It's happening. We'll explain. You know, and the funny thing is, uh, I've all my life, for one reason or another, dealt with lawyers, and most of them do seem to be like robots. You know, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. There yeah. have been some robotic ones that I've yeah. worked with before, too. So, But this is an, an, a real one. Yes. An actual... Kind of. Well, kind of a robot. Artificial intelligence... And well, that also describes some of the lawyers. I, well, yeah. I have known. One yes. or either of those words would apply. <laughs> okay. We start, though, with uh, the storm system that has been just pummeling much of California. John Monteverde is a meteorologist. <laughs> it's one of those days, Rob. It's one of those days. They've got to change the name of that It's, it's the rain. No, it's yeah. the rain. It's yeah. affecting me. Yeah. Uh, he's a meteorologist and emeritus professor of meteorology at San Francisco State University. John, thanks for being with us. Glad to be with you. So uh, whenever we have these rainstorms, uh, some not even as severe as this particular one has been around the state, people always wonder why some areas seem to be harder hit than others. Now, I, I get it that some places you have burn areas from previous fires. You're going to have more mudslides. But are there other uh, forces at play on why some parts of, and let's just zero in on Southern California, why do some places seem to be hit really hard and other places not so bad? Well, normally the factors in the atmosphere that steer storms and create storms are more active over the northern half of the state. But there are times when those same patterns can develop over the southern part of the state. When that happens, as much rain or more rain can occur in the Los Angeles area or Santa Barbara area as occurs in the Russian River area, the Santa Cruz Mountains, et cetera, in, in the Bay Area. But uh, does geography play a part in that, too? Because I'm thinking of the way we've got our mountains situated in the state in the Central Valley. Uh, that plays a part as well as the uh, the atmospheric patterns that generally stay in the same place. Yeah. So when a pattern like this occurs, when we have strong southerly or southwesterly flow, the mountains behind you guys are really favored or Ventura County or Santa Barbara County, San Diego County, less so because the mountains are trending in a different direction. 
So are you surprised by any of what's happened in the past few days? Because I, I keep hearing people on on radio and television sort of being shocked. Maybe they just moved here and they're going, yeah, I've never seen anything like this. But but you're a pro. Uh, has anything occurred that surprises you? Well, you know, this is kind of surprising. Um, I'll give you a couple of facts that relate to my area. Downtown San Francisco, which is a record that goes back 174 years, um, has experienced its third wettest 15-day period in that 174-year history and the second wettest 24-hour period. So that's kind of remarkable. We're just lucky that these storms have been phased out with some dry conditions between so that we only have to deal with the mudslides that can be catastrophic. I'm not minimizing that, but you don't see main stem rivers flooding. So I would say I'm surprised by the amount of rain that we've had, and it is unusual. You know, we're constantly told because of climate change, the state's going to be facing, or the entire West is going to be facing uh, a lot more drought, uh, years of drought, long-term drought in the future. But is there a possibility that climate change could disrupt our pattern so much that we might begin to see in some parts of the state just nonstop, well, not nonstop, but the flooding very often. Every time storm systems come through, it brings a lot of water in. Could we see that? Well, there are two parts to that answer. First, what we foresee during the 21st century is um, a more variable climate around a slightly larger average precipitation up in the north part of the state, and roughly the same for you people in Southern California, but with these huge swings from the average from drought winters to really wet winters. But the second part of your question has to do with the wet winters. The part of climate change that affects the wet winters is partially related to the amount of evaporation from the oceans. Much more water vapor goes into the atmosphere. So when we get these tongues of water vapor that are now called atmospheric rivers come to the coast, they're actually transporting more vapor. And if we have the mechanisms to extract that into clouds and precipitation, you get what happened over Ventura County. All right. Thank you so much, uh, John Monteverdi, a meteorologist and emeritus professor of meteorology at San Francisco State University. See, and I and I screwed up that word before. It's you know, if if you don't pay attention to it, it's a yeah. word that will trip you up. It did. Yeah. In, in did. radio, we call those landmines. Yeah. No, it was, it was uh, meteorologist. But I, I. Yeah. So that's, gonna, that's why I never became a meteorologist, because I knew I would have trouble saying the word a lot. Right now, though, more on this uh, storm system that is just now starting to move out. As we've mentioned, Santa Barbara and Ventura counties got smacked the hardest with flooding and some uh, mudslides and road closures. The city of Fillmore in Ventura County along the Santa Clara River and Highway 126 took a a pretty good hit. Fillmore uh, Fire Chief Keith Garola is with us. Chief, thanks for being with us. I know it's a busy uh, day or so for you so thanks for taking the the time what's the latest up there so right now uh we're looking uh, a lot better obviously than we were last night um with the decrease in in precipitation that we received the the creeks have have lowered the rivers have lowered quite a bit and uh given our crews our public works and our firefighters a chance to go in and start cleaning up the roads the uh where all the mud and debris has come into town uh, obviously, uh, outside of town, uh, Caltrans and CHP being working on the highways. Um, so things are, are, are looking a lot better for us at this point in time. Uh, 
obviously last night was a different story. Do you feel kind of pummeled, though, because you've got uh, multiple storms coming in? Does it feel like you just get out from underneath one and you don't have time to recuperate until the next one hits? Uh, That's true. That's very true. Um, Leading up to this one, uh, the storm we had uh, last week, uh, you know, the precursor, it it brought up the the rivers quite a bit. Um, It did uh, uh, cause a a runoff and and allowed uh, uh, the storm drains to be blocked. So we were just, again, just finishing up cleaning up after that, uh, trying to reload on our uh, sandbag inventory. And then uh, obviously we we knew this uh, big storm was coming in, uh, a lot of pre-planning, but um, you just can't catch your breath, uh, um, which is okay as long as it's, it's, uh, you know, nice and gentle. Uh, But the rain we had last night was definitely a different story. And in terms of uh, injuries and and any fatalities there? So in the city here itself, uh, no reports of any injuries. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, nobody uh, uh, killed, uh, um, which is great because we do have a history of some some bad storms throughout the years here that have taken lives. But uh, uh, this year, um, we're fortunate. A lot of good pre-planning uh, between the city and, and the county agencies, and uh, we're looking good. Um, we did run a lot of medicals. Um, we did have uh, our normal share of uh of uh, um, the EMS calls, but uh, we were able to to handle all those in conjunction to all the flooding and, and mud flows and debris that we had. Now, you've obviously been through this kind of stuff before, but is there anything you learned in this recent spate of storms that you'd like to apply to uh, the future, like anything that uh, maybe uh, your department and other departments could do differently? Sure. So one of the things that is always causing problems is is the debris flow. And um, in looking uh, and trying to um, uh, diagnose some of our major flows we had here, um, we're backtracking, uh, working with Public Works and with our engineers and trying to figure out how we can, can reduce that flow from the uh, inception, from, from the, you know, film wars at the base of, of the Los Padres, and we have some steep hillsides. So looking at, at where it starts to run off, off the uh, mountains, uh, all the way into the drains uh, and the whole um, – the whole process of, of water, uh, collecting water and diverting it, uh, we're definitely always looking at that and where we can improve. Uh, we did uh, recognize that we do have some improvement in, in uh, a particular section of the city, uh, water running off the hillsides, and, and uh, we're looking at improving that uh, before the next storm. So, yeah, in, in retrospect, you always try to, to look at uh, what occurred and, and, and how we can always improve. And we're talking about a next uh, storm, what did the next few days uh, seem to uh, predict? So we, we know, that, and again, um, this this recent storm, we, we kind of learned, you know, we thought it was going to be uh, not as bad as the one last week. And then as as each day goes by, you get more intel and, and you know, working with the weather service, you learn more and more. Uh, and so far, you know, for, for the storm coming up uh, uh, this weekend, you know, we, we know that it's not going to be here or hopefully not going to be here as soon as we had thought uh, on Friday. And so it gives us a little bit more time to, to prepare for it. Um, and then also, we also know that um, the, the storms can stall out and, uh, you know, thinking you're only going to get a few hours or, or half a day or half a night, they end up stalling out. So we just kind of always prepare for the worst. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, each storm uh, uh, does not uh, uh, do as much damage as any of the previous ones. All right. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, taking some time out. What's obviously a busy time. Uh, Fillmore Fire Chief Keith Garola.
A little bit later on, we are going to have more on the rain that's pounded California. Prince Harry sharing some royal secrets in his new book. Oh, and, you know, I was actually reading earlier, Rob, uh, an excerpt from the book, and um, he claims in it, and we'll talk to our guest about it, that he believes he was bred to be basically a a spare part uh, Mm -hmm. warehouse for his older brother. (laughs) So if his older brother needed, like, a A kidney kidney or something, he would be there ready to to give a part. I think that was the plot of a movie where they were growing clones to provide heart transplants and lung transplants. It's so weird. Okay. I guess if I had the money, I would do that. Yeah. Uh, Right now, though, the Justice Department is reviewing some potentially classified documents found in the office in Washington, D.C. of President Biden's former institute. Now, this does raise some questions about the case involving former President Trump and the documents found at Mar-a-Lago. Kel McClanahan is executive director of National Security Counselors. It's a nonprofit uh, public interest law firm that specializes in national security law and information and also privacy law. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just to uh, start it off and set the context here, tell us uh, what is the same between this situation and the situation with former President Trump's documents and what is different? Well, the similarities are much easier to go through than the differences. The similarities are that there were classified documents that were in the White House. And at the transition between the Obama administration and the Trump administration, the documents were packed up and taken out of the White House. That's the same thing that happened with the Trump to Biden transition, where the documents were taken to Mar-a-Lago. That is where the similarities end. What matters for this is how they were discovered and what happened after they were discovered. Because in the most recent case, in the Biden case, you have lawyers for the president and former former vice president who finds these records and they're, they find them because they're packing them up. They're moving them out of the room that they were in. And they immediately notify the White House. The White House Counsel's Office immediately notifies the National Archives. The documents are turned over to the National Archives the next day. And that is what happened here. As opposed to that, when the documents were discovered in Mar-a-Lago, not only were they not uh, discovered by the former President Trump's team, his lawyers or his staff or whatever you want to say, they were withheld. When the archivist wrote to former President Trump and said, you look like you have information that you're not supposed to have, please return it. They didn't. They fought it. They released some after a period of time. Then they released some more after another period of time. Then they got searched by the FBI and they found even more. And then after that search, they found even more. And every step of the way, the former president has been fighting against giving these records back. Okay, that and, is and, the key difference. And 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 uh, I can see the differences as you uh, articulated them. But you know as well as I do, I, I suspect that uh, Mr. Trump's supporters are going to go back to the very beginning of this and say, "Well, uh, whatever the two different presidents, president, former president, did after the fact is one thing." But the fact remains that both removed highly 
potentially anyway, highly classified documents from the White House that they were not under law entitled to have in their possession. And regardless of how it was handled after the fact, they shouldn't have done it to begin with. Don't they have a point? They have a very good point. This this is the one thing that I actually agreed with the Trump team on when this first came up in the Mar-a-Lago case. It was not a crime or probably not a prosecutable crime, let's, let's say, for the document to be taken out of the White House and taken to Mar-a-Lago if it was inadvertent. If it was intentional, well, that's a different story. But if it was inadvertent and they proved that it was inadvertent, then nobody really says that they did any serious illegal misconduct. The statute itself, the Espionage Act, talks about willful retention. You cannot willfully retain something that you don't know you have. You cannot willfully take something that you don't know you're taking. And so everybody agrees that, yes, as a security matter, yeah, it was bad that these got out. It was bad that there was this village. But the solution for that is not legal prosecution or even legal investigation. The solution for that is, as one YouTuber who I follow suggested, a counterintelligence filter team to go through all the records that are taken out of the White House after every administration to make sure that things don't accidentally get in there. It's a security solution. It's a practical solution. Let me ask you very quickly here. Uh, could uh, President Biden or anybody working for him who might have uh, done the physical moving of these documents uh, inadvertently or not, they're going to look into whether that was the case. Uh, Could any of them be facing any legal jeopardy here? Well, yes, especially if they found out it wasn't inadvertent, because if it was intentional, if anyone said, hey, look, this is national defense information, let's pack it up and take it out of the White House. That's criminal conduct. But it requires knowledge. And so that's where the legal jeopardy comes in, that the only exception to that is this uh, portion of the espionage act that talks about gross negligence. And gross negligence is really, really high bar to reach to show that, that, you know, nobody, no five year old would do this with a five year old's understanding of national security. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Kel McClanahan, Executive Director of National Security Counselors. You're listening to KNX In-Depth with Rob Archer. I'm Charles Felton. And right now, more on this big storm system that's uh, battered the state. With us is Pete Demetrio, who was stuck on Highway 126 near Fillmore. Pete, thank you for joining us. And tell us uh, how you're stuck. How bad are the highways where you are? Well, let's put it this way. We got through just about five to six minutes ago. I was stuck, if you would, at Hopper Canyon on the 126, right where the Santa Clara River crosses it. That's where the majority of the mud was, both from the river, which overflowed its banks, and also from the farms, which are on both sides of Highway 126. About 85 trucks and cars were backed up. We were going westbound, but that's nothing compared to what was coming eastbound. You've got the area, once you get past, not one but two mudslides and mud flows on the road that they've managed to clear up with graders and with sweepers. That second thing, which is going eastbound out of Fillmore, had to be at least 200 to 250 vehicles. What they've been doing is that they've been clearing them out, clearing off the roads, and then bringing the vehicles through at 20 miles an hour, slow and easy, through the mud and the slick pavement. And then they open it up. But 
it's just been hours for some of these people. Pete, o- Pete over, over the years, I know you've been stuck in many of these kinds of uh, weather-related traffic jams. How, how does this one uh, compare? Not too bad. I mean, when you're talking an hour to an hour and a half, that isn't really too much of a problem. The main reason you've had so much of a delay here is they were getting the mud and everything off overnight and as the rain passed through here, it's bright sunshine here right now, they managed to get ahead of it. So what you've got is a slick sheen of mud that is on the road, but nothing in the way of any floodwaters, which would prevent you from really going through the area. It's just you have to be slow going through. Because people, after being jacked up there for so long, what do they want to do? They want to put their foot down. You do that on muddy pavement and on a muddy road, and all of a sudden you're hydroplaning all over the place. And there you go. And all I, right, I don't uh, want to be on the other end of that. <laughs> no, no. All right, Pete, thank you so much. Speaking of uh, deluges, Montecito was hit so hard it ordered the evacuation of all of its residents. And one resident who may or may not have been home yesterday, Prince Harry. He's caught up in a flood of publicity right now, though, thanks to the global release today of his new memoir, Spare, which puts him in, uh, well, some hot water with the royal family, keeping with our general water theme. We're with us now is Kinsey uh, Schofield, who's a royals commentator and host of the To Die For Daily podcast. Thanks for being with us. I don't know who wrote that intro with all of those puns, but they deserve <laughs> at least a $5 raise. Okay. Maybe we'll settle for $2. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> $2. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned during one of our breaks that I was reading an excerpt from the book and, and, and tell me if this is, if this is true, because I, I read it a couple of times and I don't know. And in the book, is it the case that, that Harry thinks it or says that he believes he was basically literally a spare for his brother, that he was bred to, if necessary, supply spare body parts to his older brother? Is that, did he actually say that in the book? Well, yes. I mean, he's being dramatic. I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, <laughs> there is this idea of the heir and the spare. And when he was born, Charles felt like he had done done his duty. He had created an heir, which was Prince William, and a spare, which was Prince Harry. And, and Harry truly is being dramatic. He was so loved by his mother and he was loved by his father too but his mother just doted on him so much felt guilty over the spare idea called him good king henry behind his back as like a little joke because uh and and actually his name his legal name is henry but he um he would tell william when they were growing up i want to be king i want to be king so there is this sense of of envy a little bit when you read the pages of this book it does feel like he's kind of resentful of his role is that understandable, though? Uh, take the royal stuff off the, the table for most regular people who would never be in a book or write a book about it and it would never become news might feel resentful of, say, an older brother or older sister who is the focus of an important family. And you're kind of like the also ran. Isn't that feeling of resentment maybe a little understandable on uh, Harry's part? Absolutely. Have you ever watched Succession on HBO? Oh, one of my favorite shows of all time. (laughs) Yeah, so I I get that. It's just you also wish he'd wake up and understand what a privileged life he has. The fact that he wasn't he was uncomfortable in the situation he was in and he had 
friends like Tyler Perry that put him on a private jet, flew him over and said, I'm going to put you in my house and I'm going to take care of your security. He's created a wonderful life for himself here in the United States with, uh, you know, contracts that contracts that are literally to die for with, um, you know, Netflix, Spotify and his book publisher. Uh, he, he has a blessed life. You know, he, he met the love of his life. He met his soulmate. So I think royal commentators that have studied this over the last few years are saying, why don't you just what when let's look to the future here why don't you you know look forward and be positive and and start thanking the universe for everything that worked out that was good for you so is this relationship or non-relationship that he apparently has now with his family is it something that can realistically be repaired because this book seems to put some many nails in a giant coffin yeah, that's a good that's a good question. And what's so interesting about Diana's book with Andrew Morton, Diana, her true story is we did not find of course, it was rumored, but we didn't find out that Diana's hands were so deeply all over that book until after her death, when Andrew Morton actually admitted that she had worked with him personally to develop that book. Um, and at the end of her life, despite not having that information, I should say, it, while it was rumored and while people assumed she was in a good place with Prince Charles. She had been, uh, you know, kind of welcomed back into the fold. Um, there's a story that I love about, um, he's now King Charles, I should say, calling Kensington Palace, asking Diana if he could use her loo on the way back from an <laughs> engagement. And They're Diana said, just sure. Like us. <laughs> yeah, and Diana said, sure. So he lands his helicopter on the, on the lawn, runs inside, uses the restroom. And as he's exiting the palace, Diana follows him out and yells, same time next week and winks at him. <laughs> and so all of the officers and everything around him wonder what, what just happened inside. Um, so, you know, I do think that there's there's room for forgiveness because obviously it had happened with Diana. But like you said, this is so blatant and there there are so many hurtful things said that it might take a much longer time than it did with Diana. But I mean, really, come on, raise your hand if you haven't landed your helicopter to go use somebody's bathroom in a palace. We've exactly. all done it. <laughs> all right. Th exactly. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Kenzie Schofield, a Royals commentator and host of the To Die For Daily podcast. The next time I'm in London, uh, I'm going to try that with Buckingham Palace. See if it works. See yeah, if it works. Why not? Excuse me. Can I use one of the 3,000 restrooms when in the palace? you got to go. Yeah, you know. Now, if you're in some legal trouble, why try to find a real lawyer when a robot can do the job? A startup company called Do Not Pay. I like the name of the company. Mm -hmm. Do Not Pay. It's marketing itself as the world's first robot lawyer. That might sound a little crazy, but here's the thing. It is planning to take on two speeding ticket cases in court next month using artificial intelligence. With us to explain is Andrew Kim, head of uh, product for Do Not Pay. Uh, thank you for joining us. Walk us through how specifically does this work? You have the app on your phone and, and you have to listen to your phone while you're in the courtroom. Hey, Rob. Hey, Charles. Um, thanks for having me. So basically what we're going to be doing is uh, we'll be having two different hearings, one on Zoom and one in person. And the one in person um, will be using uh, a form of a hearing aid uh, to communicate and also a smartphone device to listen to the actual court proceedings. OK, so, so back up now, uh, because I'm not exactly clear how this works. So uh, I get uh, into legal hot water, let's say a speeding ticket. What, walk me through briefly, what do I do? How does this work? 
Yeah. Um, well, we're actually just going to be piloting this out in court uh, next month. But effectively, you would um, use your smartphone device. It would intake the conversation. And then using uh, GPT um, with the late, uh, latest advent in um, GPT-J, uh, we'll be translating that text and the AI will be giving you back a response um, that you can say. So again, if I get this right, so I go to court, right? I go to my court appearance. Instead of bringing a flesh and blood attorney, I have my phone and the app, right? And then the app listens to what's being said in in court, I guess by the judge perhaps, right? And then it it's sending a communication to AI, to your servers that are then spitting back, telling me through an earpiece on my phone what I should do or say. Is that basically it? That's exactly right. Okay. And how do you cover yourself in the event of, uh, or have you even gotten that for you in the event of a malpractice, provided you go m- deeper into it than traffic cases? Yeah, so um, we're currently staying in our lane. Um, we're not, you know, uh, going to be using this to defend people for murder. Um, effectively, we're trying to replace um, an industry that over 80% of Americans don't have uh, access to for a lawyer. And so very simple things like speeding tickets um, is our primary focus and evictions, et cetera. Now, can this be used anywhere in the U.S.? Uh, Not necessarily. And so although it's in the letter of the law, it's not necessarily in the spirit of law. And so um, that's why we haven't revealed in advance um, where the proceedings will take place, um, just in case it could get shut down, shut down by the state bars. Um, But Effectively, uh, there we've identified a location where a hearing aid can be used as an assistive device. And so, um, yeah. So what kind of input uh, went into making this app? Obviously, uh, I would assume some legal input. Uh, you had lawyers, uh, traffic lawyers, we presume, uh, give you some input into how to create this app. Yeah, so the AI is trained to stick to solely factual statements um, rather than saying whatever it could to win a case, regardless of the truth. And so we, we're definitely trying to minimize our legal liability. And it's not a good thing if it twists the facts and is manipulative. Um, and the tool itself has been tweaked or prompted rather to not react to statements every single time, because um, sometimes silence can be the best answer. So what would this service cost? I mean, I know it's called do not pay. I presume you mean do not pay for an actual lawyer. But what would you pay for the actual service? Yeah. um, So we currently have a subscription. But for these in-person and also Zoom proceedings, um, we're actually making it free. And um, in the event that the case is lost, we'll also cover the cost of the speeding ticket. Oh, okay, good. Uh, do you, are you getting any pushback from judges or lawyers about this? Yeah, definitely getting pushback. Um, I mean, the legal industry is billion-dollar industry, and um, it's scary times right now. Uh, I wouldn't want to be a lawyer charging hundreds of dollars to just copy and paste documents. So I feel like billboard lawyers should be very worried. So I, I, I am kind of curious that you're sort of launching this as a – kind of a test thing. I, I would have thought you would have done all that research first and know that you're on firm ground to launch the product because suppose you get sh- shot down right away. Yeah, well, I, I, I guess I suppose that's why we haven't necessarily revealed yet. 
the exact locations of the court proceedings. Um, internally, we have done significant research, um, but we're more concerned that if uh, this became public information, um, it would get shut down immediately. Now, Karen Adams and I yesterday were talking about this, and we said, uh, well, that's going to work great until the uh, judge looks down at you and you've got your your uh, your your hearing aids in your ear from the phone. And uh, he says, take those out and pay attention. Right. Could, could you run into trouble with that, with that aspect of it? Yeah. Um, well, there's several places that this could go wrong, but the devices that we're using um, – hopefully will uh, not fall under that those problems all right i mean it it it, it sounds like an interesting I- idea but but i guess the bottom line is you don't really know if it's going to work yet yeah we're not certain if it if it'll work um but i think it will it will set a, a big precedent definitely um and will take significant time um to actually be allowed in courts let me give you a paranoid uh, dream about what could happen. You create paranoid this, uh, dream? yeah. You create this AI lawyer, and uh, you try to run some cases. It runs into trouble. The AI lawyer becomes sentient and turns around and sues you. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, that is a possibility, but um, we're we've trained our models to. Um, not be manipulative, but ah, I, okay. I, right. I, I, I got to get my movie guy on the phone and pitch this idea to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what, that, what, but what made you come up with it? Was it your idea? Uh, well, it was a collective idea. Effectively, uh, we started in 2015 um, and we were a relatively simple chatbot that provided solutions to um, almost every consumer issue. And we relied significantly on templatized conversations and uh, documents. And so we focused on areas like, of course, like fighting parking tickets, um, appealing your bank fees, um, canceling subscriptions, uh, getting your security security deposit back from your landlord, et cetera. Um, but we recently in around 2020, we focused heavily more on AI with the advent of GPT-3 and um, the language processing AI models. And so uh, what we found is that there's more versatility in the way that we can provide consumers um, access to these tools, whereas previously, you know, they would be out um, in the mud. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Andrew Kim, head of uh, product for Do Not Pay, an app that aims to be your robot lawyer if you're finding a traffic ticket. Would you go to an AI lawyer as opposed to an actual one? I think I maybe in the future. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that we're there yet. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I, I would like a real lawyer whose lifestyle I can mm-hmm. resent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just afraid that the AI lawyer will decide it doesn't like me and then uh, sabotage my case. Well, and well. Then I wind up in prison for many years because I parked in the wrong spot. And we don't want to see that happen. Uh, this has been uh, the Paranoid edition of KNX In-Depth. We will be back tomorrow. <laughs> 